This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of Press One for Nick. Your host, Nick Limsdahl, is the Director of Contact Center Solutions at VDS. Through conversations with customer service and customer experience leaders, Nick and his guests exchange insightful stories, best practices, and invaluable lessons they have learned along the way. Welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast. My name is Nick Limsdahl, and my guest this week is Jennifer Karen. Jennifer is the Patient Experience Officer at BJC Healthcare, an industry leader in healthcare experience strategy. Jennifer is an active member and advisor to national and international organizations and boards. She is a fire starter inspiring a culture of service excellence, hospitality, ownership, and results across the globe. Jennifer, welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast. Thank you, Nick. Thank you for having me. You bet. So one thing I, one question I ask every single guest is what's one thing people might not know about you? Uh, what they might not know about me. Um, I served 10 years in the Air Force. Thoroughly enjoyed it. That's great. Thank you for your service. That is uh, that is a dedication and much appreciated. So thank you for that. Thank you. The one question I think that we should start off with is somebody who is the patient experience officer is what does patient experience mean to you? Mm. Patient experience means to me a deep understanding of our patients and our consumers and coming together to help them live their best life. And it is everyone that touches the patient. I mean, whether you're directly contributing to care or you are IT that is, um, I call them the great powerful eyes, but IT that's behind the scenes making it all happen. We all touch the patient. So you touched on something a little bit that I think is interesting. You touched on the best life, giving their patient, the patients the best life. What, is, what does that mean and how can you give them their best life? Well, you know, everyone comes from a different place. Everyone has different needs and my best life might be different, Nick, than your best life. And so quite often in healthcare, we approach the experience or care from our perspective as care delivery, we have, um, you know, our priorities for the patient, but if it's not the patient's priorities, then, you know, we'll meet at an impasse and we truly won't see, you know, improving the health of our population. So understanding what their best life means, um, you know, oftentimes we talk about, you know, just looking at the diabetic patient, we talk about numbers and A1C and medication, but to a diabetic patient, it may just be that they want to go out and enjoy their grandkids, or they want to take a trip with their husband, or they want to be able to do things on a daily basis without, you know, having to be tied to diabetic testing. So understanding the patient's best life and what it means for them, um, we're able to provide healthcare that is truly patient-centric and help them get to where they want to be. I love that being, being patient centric and getting them to be their best, having their best life. And it's, it's not necessarily the diagnosis itself. It's what they can't do or what restricts them to getting to that next step. It's very, very thought provoking that 
you need to continue to think back through that the experience. So with that in mind, what what questions are you asking that patient to making sure that they can have their best life? Yes, that's another great question. You know, oftentimes we jump right in and start diagnosing based upon what we see in the data uh, with labs or, you know, historical um, visits maybe to the ER or to hospital or just for routine follow-up visits. But asking the patient, um, what challenges you on a daily basis? Uh, what about your healthcare do you want to improve? Or, you know, if it's a new diagnosis, maybe it's hypertension or diabetes, as I talked about earlier, it's how is this impacting your best life? I mean, those, that sentence right there um, is very, it's a very compassionate approach to patient care. And it's one that we should be asking the patient every time we interact with them. I love that. I love that you don't just think about the what it says from the 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 blood that you took from from them and you're looking at the this little sheet and you're saying okay based off of this information this looks like a really bad thing and this is, looks like an okay thing and this looks like a really good thing. So we're going to do X. It's tell me about you and having that connection first and and understanding but you touched on compassion is it important? How important is it to have that compassion in that patient experience? I would say that it, it is the uh, most ultimate importance, you know, compassion. So empathy is a precursor. You have to be empathetic to understand where a patient is coming from or another. Uh, and then compassion is responding to it. So using that same scenario, you know, we're talking about you living your best, best life. If you're sharing you know, your, your hurdle, your hurdles or your barriers with me as a caregiver, then responding compassionately and understanding where you come from and then connecting with you on a deeper level. Again, it's more, you're more than just numbers. You're more than just a patient. You are a human being in front of me. And my job is to help you, um, again, live your best life compassionately. So, there is a plethora of research out there that shows the impact of compassion to health outcomes. Not only just to, if I connect with you compassionately, you're more likely to follow through with the care plan that we developed or you know, return to your follow-up visit, but also there's research out there that um, physiologically can change the progress or progression based upon the compassion shared by care teams. And I think it's really important in this, in our world, when we talk about providing care is creating that sense of belonging, because equally as important to compassion is the sense of loneliness. And so there's a plethora of data out there that shows that people who are lonely, their health declines, and it's not being alone, it is truly feeling lonely. So you could be in a room with someone and not be alone, but still be in that same room and feel lonely because you're not connected. And so I believe that compassion is the antidote to a lot of you know issues that patients and just the health of our population. Yes, we need medications. Yes, we need uh, medical care. But when delivered compassionately, that's where we, we truly see the impact of the great work that we can that we can do to help patients live their best life. I see that as a tagline. 
compassionate care delivered is <laughs> seems like a, a great mission statement right there. Can compassion be taught? So there are a lot of theories on this one. I think there's actually a, a book out there that it can be taught, but I firmly believe that it can be. So um, we work with many of our care team members to understand, again, you have to be empathetic. And I think that you can coach people to recognize empathetic moments. And yes, you can teach people to respond compassionately. So whether they deeply are compassionate about the person on the other end, um, I think that's something that has to be developed and grown, but you can definitely teach one to respond um, when they see patients uh, and others suffering. And that's what the definition is. I mean, the definition is responding to another suffering. Yes, so if, it can be taught. Okay, so if it can be taught, why is it not taught in schools? That's a really great question. Uh, that's one of the reasons why it drew me to an academic medical campus, because the research shows that as nurses and physicians, providers to include advanced practice providers, when they go through medical school, it um, desensitizes them and they become less compassionate. So I don't know why it's not. It, it needs to be. It is a from my perspective, it is a foundational piece in clinical care. You know, in school, they're taught the science of medicine and the art of medicine. And the art of medicine has historically, not everywhere, but historically, it's been, you know, a, a nice to have. So that's the connection that you make. I would say, um, and research shows that compassion is the bridge between uh, the science of medicine and the art of medicine. So, so Nick, let's figure it out. Let's figure it out. So I'm going to give you an opportunity. And uh, right now, let's pretend, let's have this magic wand and pretend that the world of academia was listening to this episode right now. What would you tell them about compassion? I would say that it is um, one of the vital signs and it needs to be included in medical school from the beginning until, you know, carried on through their CMEs, it is a foundational piece of it. And not just for good patient care, but the research also shows that it can combat burnout. Right now, burnout is, um, it, it, it is just taking over, um, you know, our, our providers. And so if we can coach them to be more compassionate and teach it in medical school, then we are arming them with skills and tools to help combat burnout. I love to me, it. it's a no brainer. Yeah. Let's just snip that and send it to every single university and college across the world. And let's get this thing solved for, for Jennifer and, <laughs> and, and the patient for that matter, you know, speaking back to the patient, I think it's, I want to get your thoughts on how important it is to understand the patient's journey from step one and where does the patient journey start? Well, the patient journey starts long before they even contact us for care. Um, the patient journey starts with, you know, learning good habits, healthy habits, having access to nutritious food, having access to you know, mental health, having access to the technology. And then 
um, part of their journey is how they connect with us. If we can understand their journey and their barriers, then we can better understand, again, how to help them improve care. So, for example, you know, um, one of our hospitals is in the downtown, very urban area. And so understanding their daily journey, but also their journey just to get to us to receive care, I think we it would help enable us to better meet the patient where they're at so that we can help them improve. I would 100% agree because if the problem is that they didn't get there on time and maybe the bus was late, maybe their kid was sick, maybe their person who was watching their kid didn't show up. How would we, and the same is true in customer service, like how do we treat the other person if we treat them as a person first, as a human being doing business with other human beings? In customer service, nobody brings, nobody says, okay, well, I have this issue with my internet, so I'm not going to bring my whole life with me. It's I'm bringing my kid just got a D in science, right? Like I'm, I'm struggling with this relationship with my family member. I am, right? I just got a speeding ticket two weeks ago and I got to figure out how to pay for it. Like they're bringing that entire life with them. And if you realize that and you provide, you know, going back to the compassion, like if you hear that story, you wouldn't just say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to charge you for this or I'm not going to be able to get you in for the next month. It's hearing them out and saying, that seems frustrating. Here's what I'm going to do about it. I'm going to be able to move this around and get you in the next half hour. Does that work for you? And it's a different experience. It's a better experience. Right. Yeah. And it's not just with the, the clinical team, but our patient access, patient service, you know, the first person that they touch when they walk in the door, or they call having that compassionate mindset and, and given the power to answer with, let's get you worked in, let's see what we can do. You know, oftentimes they're not given the flexibility they have, you know, some clinics may still have that, you know, you're 15 minutes late. It doesn't matter why you're going to have to reschedule. I think the other thing on the flip side that's equally important is making the patient wait. So, you know, when we go out and we coach care teams, it's understanding, again, the bus system. So we have patients that take three or four buses just to get to our appointment. So they may be late. But then when we have them sit and wait well past their time, then they may miss the bus home. You know, it might be that single mom who is taking time away from work. And that time is a loaf of bread. It's milk on the table. It's formula. And so having that understanding and not keeping the patient wait past their time is equally important as well. So you just touched on having coaches in, in a professional setting. Why is that important to you? What, what makes you want to have a coach alongside that journey to provide a different perspective? Well, you know, when we look at professionals across the U.S., many of them are given coaches. And our providers and our care teams should be no different if we want them to be successful. Coaches um, are able to point out blind spots or opportunities and also champion when we do well. And so uh, I think that our 
clinicians as part of a professional practice should have coaches to help them do just that. In a competitive market, does your customer service stand out from the crowd? One way to offer a better experience is by moving your contact center to the cloud. But with so many options to choose from, how do you know which solution is the best for both your business and your customers? That's where VDS comes in and guides you to the best solution. They understand your clients' pain points, business outcomes, and goals. Then VDS designs, implements, supports, and provides 24-7 managed services. From start to finish, VDS is committed to finding the best solutions for your clients' needs. To learn more, go to www.govds.com or find a link in the show notes. Yeah, as a as somebody that lives in St. Louis, the St. Louis Cardinals have special specialty coaches as well, right? You have a you have a a, a hitters coach, you have a pitching coach, you probably have a uh, I know in in the MLB they have mental health coaches uh, or or performance coaches. So I love the fact that you're bringing that into healthcare to to improve the experience and help them see that blind spot. Because if you don't look out and up past your, your perspective, then you're just going to do the way you've always done it. Status quo is, is what we're always going to do. And in, in the, in the space that we're in now, in the time and age that we're in now, good enough, isn't good enough anymore. And it never should have been, but now it's, it's exacerbated that you can no longer sit in that, that good enough, um, in the, in the good enough stands per se. Yeah. And going back to, you know, the problem that we solved earlier with compassion being taught in school. So if it's not taught in school and during residency, you know, once you graduate, you're not being observed anymore. So it's like, all right, you got your degree, go off and do great things. And oftentimes just looking through a a clinic visit, it's very routine. So our providers get into a routine and they're often rushing from one patient to the next. Same as inpatient, the routine looks a lot different because you don't know what's gonna come through the front door, but we are taught to manage our time and rush from one moment to the next. And so by coaching and being a true partner, you know, you're able to, again, highlight those opportunities, but also create efficiencies. And it really jumped out at me um, in my previous work. I, I coached a lot of providers and a lot of new providers. And they would often say, I just don't know why my patients aren't coming to their follow-up visits, or I don't know why I have so many no-shows. And it's coming in and looking from the outside in, for me, it's very easy because you you see things that, again, from the patient's perspective um, are opportunities and it, a good coach will help not only the patient experience, but the human experience because your care team is happier. They are more satisfied with their job and there's less friction uh, that they have to work through on a daily basis. So yeah, I think if we were gonna solve problems on today's podcast, having our clinicians all have coaches would be number two. Number two. I love it. We're going to get to number three here at some time. Uh, but the one thing that you mentioned was rushing from one patient to the next. And that that sense of urgency 
And the, with that patient, how does that make them feel when they're, when they're just a number, when they're that next patient, when they're not Susie or Joe or Jamal, but instead, um, what would happen if that caregiver listened, uh, how would that change that patient's behavior? So if the caregiver listened, um, I think there's, well, there's a lot there to unpack. So let's take it back just a second. So using our ED as a great example, the emergency departments, you know, various levels of trauma are coming in at any given time and you have no idea what's coming in through the front door and you are surviving. From the outside looking in, it looks like chaos, um, you know, good EDs. It is very organized chaos. Everybody's working together, but it's, Part of the reason why we have such burnout in the EDs is because they don't have time to decompress. And if it was a, you know, maybe it was a situation where the family, there was a misunderstanding or um, the, the family or the patient didn't agree with what was happening in the care. If we don't take a moment to recognize that the event with my previous patient happened, center ourselves for the next patient and truly get in the moment, um, then we're just going to carry that frustration with us to the next patient. And the next patient will feel it most definitely and family member. And so if we don't do that, then we will take a, a frustrating moment and it'll carry through throughout the day or, you know, over a course of period of time, which if we would have taken a moment to stop and pause and center ourselves, well, in the moment, it seems like you don't have the time. It will exponentially save you time and um, decrease that frustration or that sense of maybe anxiety or whatever happened in that moment. Um, but it will help us uh, stay connected throughout the day. So from your perspective, how long, what's the shortest period of time that somebody could take to decompress between <laughs> patients? Is it is it taking five or 10 deep breaths? Is it going into a quiet room and just thinking through a process and then saying, all right, but this is a new patient. This patient really needs my help and there needs to be some urgency there, but I need to be, I need to be present and I need to listen. And I need to care for them and I need to hear where they're at so I can give them their best life. Yeah. And that's a really great question. And I think it depends upon the individual and it depends upon how skilled that individual is at compartmentalizing um centering themselves and and so you know it might take a little bit longer that when you first try to practice it but the more you practice it the better you'll be and again it's it's just based upon individual needs so i didn't prep you for this call but i i think you got a good answer for it is in, in athletics, um, people in, when I was in, in athletics, I was, um, we did visualization and I know that other professionals, I never, I know, uh, professional athletes do it and how important or how do you, how does the healthcare industry in general, can they provide some visualization or some scenarios and to get them semi-uncomfortable so they know how to handle it. They know how their emotions feel and how to address it, and then they can better handle it in a real life scenario. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. Visualization is extremely important. And that's part of one of the tools that we coach to uh, is visualization. Um, you know, part another part of it, and anyone who's in healthcare that's working on their coaching program should have simulation labs. Again, you know, our clinical teams grow up, grow up, they go to school with uh, simulation labs clinically. Um, but it's also having our care team members go through Sims Labs um, for the emotional component as well. That's something that we do here. That's great. When it comes to listening, let's go back to that real quick, is everybody has their perspective. Everybody can go in and say, well, I've lived this life. And so based off of where you're at today, here's what I'm going to solve for you. But how can you check your bias at the door? Is it possible to say, maybe I should just zip it and just listen to them without any preconceived notion, without a, based off of this lab, I think we should do this, but just checking that bias at the door. Is it, how, how can you do that before listening? So um, what we coach to is, Again, it's visualization and it's process. So before you go into the room, take a moment, focus on whatever it is that, that you need to focus on and take your deep breaths. Uh, and then recognizing that you have a bias. So in healthcare, you know, a bias that's across the industry, not everyone, but a very common bias is um, overweight, patients being obese and um, the bias towards they are not taking care of their body um, or they are contributing to poor health outcomes. And so checking that bias before you go in and asking those questions of the patient so you can understand what's the cause, whether it's, you know, whatever it may be. But again, part of checking your bias is understanding the perspective of another and meeting them where they're at. I like that. And I think that it's, it's important to building that connection too, because the more that you are listening to them, the more that you're not providing your perspective on how awesome you are and, oh, based off of my expertise and my knowledge, I'm going to do these five things. It's you are a human being and I am a human being and let's solve this together. And the more that customers or patients for that matter feel like they're on the journey, the more probably they're willing to listen to what you're going to say next instead of just saying, oh, you've never been in my situation. You don't know what, how I feel or what I'm going through. And that might be the case, but sometimes you just need to be present and, and just sit in the moment with, with the people that have tough circumstances. Mm -hmm. And that not all patients are the same. You have to treat each patient as a unique individual. Absolutely. You put two heart patients up next to each other and they will not be the same. Their best life is not the same. Mm. The same diagnosis is not the same outcome or the same best life. Yeah. That's cool. Did we solve the number three yet? Yeah. <laughs> Was that was that around listening and the importance of the human connection? I think that was. It is. It's it is so important to listen. I forget who said it, um, but it's in the book Compassionomics. But uh, there is a 
professor of medicine who teaches you have two eyes, two ears, and one mouth, you should use them proportionately. And so taking in information and learning more than speaking to is, is a really uh, wise recommendation. I, I hear that. Uh, at, at one point in my life, I probably spoke uh, twice as much as I listened, but I'm slowly gravitating towards towards the latter. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a work in progress for sure. Uh, we all are. <laughs> so I, I at the end of every single episode, uh, Jennifer, I asked two questions. And the first question is, is, what book or person in customer service or customer experience has influenced you the most in the past year? So I'll pause there. Um, I would say it's Compassionomics, uh, but it really speaks to understanding another human being. And um, it, it's been out for quite some time, but I just reread it this year with new eyes. And so uh, taking in those learnings. That's great. I'll have to look that one Highly up. I recommend it. Yeah. And then the second one is if you could leave a note to all customer service professionals, it's going to hit everybody's desk Monday at 8 a.m. What would it say? It would say that in order to improve the health of our populations um, and to improve our work environment, we should approach each day and each interaction with the intent to make a connection. And we make those connections through compassion, just simply understanding another. We don't have to agree with it. Mm. But understanding someone else's perspective, I think that there would be, um, it would take customer service to a new level across all industries. I think it's important that you just said that, that understanding does not equal agreeing. And sometimes we just need to be understood. If I go back to the employee experience, there's give your employee experience, your employees, the ability to help, help their organization solve problems, give them the ability to say, here's a pain point. How can we solve this collectively? And just because you gave them that voice, they feel known and valued, even though you might not implement what they are, what they suggested, but you heard them and being heard is a great first step. I agree. That's great. If somebody wants to connect with you, what's the best way? Is it LinkedIn? Yep. LinkedIn. Happy to connect. And it's Jennifer Karen and last name is C-A-R-R-O-N. I'll put that in the show notes. Uh, Jennifer, thank you so much for your time. This was a lot of fun and uh, we will slowly solve the first two uh, problems and we'll come back and do another episode. Sounds great. Thanks, Nick. Hey, listeners, can you think of one person who would benefit from the information you learned today? If so, please consider sharing this episode with them. And last, if you would like to receive all the quotes and book recommendations from all my guests, you can go to pressonefornick.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of Press One for Nick. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share. Until next time, focus on your customers. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.